0: Five years ago I would have said governments derive their power from having the information and now I'm seeing most optimistically that governments want to interact with their citizens and providing them more information and they're doing that through technology and that's what I'm probably most optimistic about is that they're embracing technology versus fearing it and I think that's going to have huge dividends for the world.
1: Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Where podcast. I'm Amin Rahmashariki. ESRI Urban Analytics lead, and I'll be your host for today. You just heard Keith Nichols, Managing Director of Government at Thomson Reuters, the largest independent international news agency in the world, highlight how the most innovative governments in the world embrace technology to build trust and engagement with constituents. In this episode, hear ESRI CMO Mariana Cantor explain how local, state, and national governments use location analytics to unlock the opportunity in their big data.
2: Keith, hello, and thanks for being here with us. Thanks for having me. I want to start with your background in the Army as the Army Captain, and how it prepared you for a career in business and technology.
0: (laughs) Um, I mean, the Army was, uh, I mean, I went to West Point and had a background and was, you know, deployed to Bosnia and a few other places after that. How it prepared me for the challenges of solving complex problems that are very similar to business problems, kind of comes from the Army. I think the sense of urgency that's instilled in you in the military also helps you succeed in business. And I really look back on my military background to help me advance problem-solving, sense of urgency type of things.
2: What surprised you? Like, what's really different about the two cultures?
0: You know, I think I was—I spent a lot of time in Africa in the business world as well. And I think the altruism that you have in the military, you know, the reason I joined the military was, hey, you know, I had this you know, vision that you know I was out there protecting our country and, and serving the greater good. When I first got into the corporate America world, I was expecting it to be lacking, right? Like, I was expecting sort of this greater good kind of concept to kind of go away for the sake of profits and business needs. It surprised me that how much business actually cares about the greater good and what we're doing. Even within Thomson Reuters, you know, we have a, a Thomson Reuters foundation. The business that I lead right now, you know, has a greater good impact just on the economic development and land rights and things of that nature. So I was expecting not to have that kind of greater good aspect, but we definitely have it, and I, you know, I see it in, in all companies, and I'm thankful for that as well. I mean, I, you know, it keeps me going at night.
2: Well, I want to talk about Thomson Reuters. It's clearly a, a huge, massive multinational <laughs> with divisions serving many markets, uh, and you had one of those divisions. Can you share with us how these divisions within the company stay aligned to deliver and sort of on the corporate strategy?
0: Our corporate strategy, I mean, if I go back to kind of my days in Africa as well, I mean, we sort of empower economic success, you know, so we provide information, we provide transparency, we kind of power the financial markets and give them the trusted answers they need to make their business decisions. And so that is our corporate tagline, you know, give trusted yeah. answers. People do look to Reuters as a trusted source of information. There's a lot of fake news and things of that nature, but Reuters news stays above the fray and, and we have our trust principles. And that permeates the rest of our business. Sounds and
2: like you stay aligned through sort of the focus and the principles of customer service. Customer mm-hmm.
0: service and, yeah, customer service and, and trusted solutions.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get to technology a little bit. As head of the tax and accounting division, how are you using technology to advance your strategies?
0: <laughs> so I lead I lead our government division within our tax and accounting uh-huh. division, so I don't want to get my boss in, <laughs> my <laughs> thinking I took his job on this podcast, but... Um, <laughs> You know, at the core of what Thompson Writers does is we're a technology company. We want to apply technology to make our customers' lives easier. We want to be able to dissect big data sets and give them the trusted answers that they need to do their jobs. You know, in the tax and accounting division and within the government division as well, we provide software solutions that make their jobs easier, either if it's a tax compliance function or an audit function in the professional side of our business. We provide solutions that give them the right answer and also make their lives easier. You know, in the government division, again, more the altruistic view is we actually provide the ability for governments to provide secure land rights to the citizens. We also collect property tax, which powers most of the economies at local government level.
2: Is there a relationship between property ownership and economic development?
0: Absolutely. You know, again, I go back to my days in Africa because it's, it's m- more tangible. You can see it every day. You know, when I look at it and I say we're literally building economies from the ground up, in undeveloped countries or developing economies, you have a lot of mistrust of the government. When you're recording the land, you may not trust the government to say who owns the land. And, you know, you look at some of these developing countries and you walk into a land records office and there's big stacks of paper books and you know depending on what time of day you walk in you may get the right book or you may get a mistaken book or you may you know, there may be corruption involved but if we apply technology and provide that transparency and secure land ownership you know banks will want to start securitizing mortgage against land you can start reusing land you can start trading land to get economic best use out of it you know if it was farmland but it's you know next to the city maybe i could build a condo building and house knowledge workers or I could make it into a store, those types of things. And without secure land rights, the land is locked up as a vacant piece of property. So even here in the U.S., you have vacant land that's not using its economic best use, but here we have more secure land rights. But really, every, everything about economic development starts with land.
2: And, and that starts with technology. So mm-hmm. going back to how do you apply, let's say, location intelligence to sort of track land use Mm -hmm. and ownership and so on in that business. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, like I said, everything starts with land and the technology of being able to point to a map of who owns that land and then be able to visualize that data is incredibly important as it's a communication tool to a citizen to say, yes, I own that that particular parcel of land and be able to communicate versus in words and numbers to be able to communicate on a map is hugely powerful. It gives that transparency I was talking about as people believe it when they see it on a map. So, you know, we, we definitely use location data and, and maps to do that all the time. And, the, and, and land doesn't move when you have undisputable land rights and the location data embedded in technology. And you can distribute that and, and show the citizens who owns the land. It's pretty powerful stuff
2: there's a lot of talk and hype about digital transformation in every discipline, including Mm -hmm. my own. How is it impacting your field of finance and accounting and taxation?
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, In in taxation and and land rights and what we do in the government business, it's huge. And even in the U.S. and a lot of places, a lot of property records are still paper-based. And so going through that digital transformation, one, makes it scalable and secure, which are kind of two big pieces and sustainable as well. You know, you don't have to worry about a a fire wiping out the records of a county anymore. You don't have to worry about rats eating all the paperwork. Those are easy examples, but it also makes it scalable where I can put it out online and make that information that was previously locked away available, right? I mean, the data in governments is property of the the citizens. And so to be able to unlock the power of that information and give that to the citizens to be able to use it is a huge deal to us. And, And that's what we're trying to do across the board.
2: It's a really good point, the property of the people. Why should businesses, from your perspective, prioritize digital transformation? Yeah, I mean,
0: again, just to kind of reiterate, it's to unlock the power of the information to make it scalable, to be able to distribute it, to create that transparency and trust that empowers everything we do in business, no matter what industry you're in.
2: In the life cycle of data, from collection to management of it and to analytics and distribution and visualization, sharing of it, where do you think in your business are the greatest challenges?
0: I mean, data analytics is always going to be kind of at the forefront of what I think about in terms of the data is there. I mean, you, you look at, you know, the buzzwords of the day are open data, big data, those kind of things. And it's like, what do I do with that data now that I have it? You know, just massive amounts of data created all, every day. And it's how do I unlock the power of that information? So data analytics and data visualization and, you know, this is where kind of the machine learning comes into play and big data analytics come into play. You know, how do we get the answers to questions we don't even know what the questions are, right? You know, we sit down with this massive data set and we say, tell me something interesting but useful. I mean, there's a lot of interesting things, but how do I use that? How do I apply that to the citizens of XYZ country or XYZ county? So the data analytics piece is the hardest piece. We're trying to provide a lot of technology tools to help people make those decisions through data analytics.
2: Keith, what is it about visualization that is powerful and helpful?
0: Yeah, I think I mean I'll answer it through sort of a, an anecdote about one of our clients, and it could apply to any any one of our clients. But you know we're in the, specifically in the property tax business, and county is responsible for assessing the value and then also collecting the tax. So they send out tax bills, and then they particular county they were seeing a large segment of the population or an anomaly of who wasn't paying their taxes. From a visualization perspective, they, they mapped out why were there so many delinquent payments, why were people so late on their tax payments. They laid that out on a map and they kind of overlaid demographic information, but then they also realized you know, one of the overlays they did is that it was a highly concentrated Spanish speaking population and they send out the tax bills in English. And so what they said is, oh, well, maybe we just send out the tax bills in in Spanish. And and lo and behold, they started getting a very much higher rate of tax collection. So that tax collection goes to buy school buses and pays for books and education and everything else. And so just merely by seeing it on a map uh, and an overlay of what's language was spoken in that particular area was hugely powerful to that, you know, this particular client. We see that kind of thing all, all over as, hey, there's a problem of collecting tax or, Getting tax bills out, or something of that nature, and you can visualize that data, and it empowers the economic growth. There, it's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. Another good example would be, you know, in our in our financial systems, where we see rainfall data and um, uh, for crops and growing seasons, and we see the the visualization of season over season of whether or not it was a good growing season, based on the weather patterns and based on the satellite imagery of a, you know, if it's green or brown, a good growing season. And then that can tell a commodities trader the, you know, what the corn crop is going to be two years from now or next year. They, you can set prices of commodities that way. Uh, another good example that I look at is from a geospatial information is mining. You know, we map all the mines in the world for a commodities trader to say what is but the downstream effect of that is I need to get the iron ore to a smelting plant in order to make steel. Um, and how do I do that? I do that on a ship. So then I look at, you know, we have maps that show ocean temperatures at certain times of the year. So if I need to get a, you know, iron ore from a mine in northern Canada and I need to navigate waterways to do that. What are the average ocean temperatures? Is there going to be ice? Is it going to slow down the ship or am I not going to be able to move? And what effect is that going to have on steel prices in three months? Those are the types of things that our clients are using visualization for. Crop data, commodities data, mining data, shipping rates, also risk as well. You know, we have a we have a large risk business as well. And so we look at overall, if I'm a corporation and I have all my manufacturing plants located near oceans and I look at hurricane patterns and things of that nature, what is my risk strategy um, to if one of these plants goes down, where should I locate the next plant? Um, and based on historical weather patterns and, and data around that, what is my risk profile? Those, those are uh, some other examples.
2: It's fascinating how everything is interconnected. Mm-hmm. How does real-time data factor into your work?
0: Yeah, one of the anecdotes that I like to tell is, is, is a real-life example of what happened in the San Bernardino shootings, right? And it couldn't get more real-time than looking for suspects that had just shot government building. All of law enforcement was looking for these individuals and how do you do that as quickly as possible? Um, so the real-time information of, of location was the thing that they were looking for. They were really looking for the location of these people. And using our Thomson Reuters clear database, the law enforcement was able to get multiple addresses where they thought that the, the suspects could be. And the Thomson Reuters database ended up having a rental car receipt for the shooters that had a different location than their home of record. And we were able to project that on a map and show the most likely places for the suspects to be. And that happened you know, within minutes. Police were on the scene to the new location, and that's where the shooters were. And that's how they, they were ultimately um, captured or killed. From a real-time perspective, it doesn't get more important than that. And from a location-based perspective, that was the thing we were looking for.
2: What are some other macro trends impacting business?
0: I mean, from my business perspective, I'm most optimistic that our clients, specifically in the government space, are embracing technology. We're seeing things I, I'm I'm passionate about is blockchain technology and how it's applied. And there's more and more governments sort of putting a toe in the water. You know, we saw Cook County, Illinois do a full blockchain study. We did Dubai's and their smart city is going to be completely blockchain and by 2021, we are seeing governments in Sweden doing land rights in blockchain. So the fact that they're embracing technology versus fearing it, you know, I think 5 years ago I would have said Governments derive their power from having the information. And now I'm seeing most optimistically that governments want to interact with their citizens and providing them more information. And they're doing that through technology. And that's what I'm probably most optimistic about is that they're embracing technology versus fearing it. And I think that's gonna have huge dividends
1: for the world.
2: Great, thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. And thanks to Keith Nichols for explaining why big data analytics and location technology are so fundamental to smart government. To learn more, download our ebook, Making Sense of Digital Transformation, at esri.com forward slash where. To keep current with new interviews, visit our podcast page at esri.com forward slash podcast.